fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Hey everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal, acting as your lead blocker to fantasy glory, paving your way to fantasy excellence, making all your football-related fantasies come true. I'm your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, uh, the wolf of Roto Street himself, fresh off a uh, you know banger of a weekend that can't be discussed, so don't even ask. Um, that bachelor anyway. party life, baby. It was a great one. Great group of guys. We're down in Providence, Rhode Island. So many of you might know what that means in general. Uh, it was a great time, though. We had a really, really fun weekend. Just good family, good friends. Two days together. I felt like I was going to die yesterday by the end of it all. But here we sure. are. I feel I woke up today feeling a new man, ready to dive into some 2023 fantasy football projections, baby. But well, yeah, it was a is, real great weekend. Timely, because we're going to continue with our division-by-division division projections uh, I was with the Wolf for the AFC East, for the AFC North. He did the AFC South solo. Uh, by the way, I just posted the AFC North uh, podcast. Uh, if that's if you want to listen in the car or something, if you're not able to watch the live stream, that's up in its entirety. Um, I'll be posting the South tomorrow. And I'll probably be posting this, the AFC West, the day after. AFC West, pretty interesting. This was the division everyone was psyched about last year. Um, what are your, what's your sense? Are people as psyched about the AFC West this year as they were last year? I think it's uh, certainly a little bit less excitement because coming into last year, you had Devontae Adams just arrived and Russell Wilson just Russell arrived Wilson. and nobody yeah. knew he sucked <laughs> at this point. So there was definitely the buzz of all these new arrivals to then challenge Pat Mahomes the next year in the step of Justin Herbert's progression was supposed to be another big banger of a year. And I think it, almost everybody but the Chiefs tended to kind of have a letdown for what the expectations for what this division were. The Chargers still had a pretty good overall team, made the playoffs, you know, made a solid effort there. But as in terms of their offensive output, I think they underwhelmed what a lot of people thought they were going to do. But there's a lot of reason for optimism this year with new coaches, not new players arriving necessarily, but Kellen Moore coming into the Chargers, Sean Payton going to the Broncos, giving us a little bit new energy, new life that might actually be bigger than what happened last year, uh, if you can believe it or not. So I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm excited for this one, too. Um, we're going to be making our predictions at the end of the show as far as what order we think they're going to finish in. Um, I did not get to weigh in on the AFC South. Can you tell me real quick what your projection was for the one through four in the AFC South? Yeah, yeah, we ripped through those quick. I actually don't even know if I did that at the end of the show where I'd have them ranked, so it's good to uh, follow. Well, let's, let's, I figured all the ones to miss. Let's do it now. <laughs> that, that'd be the one to miss. I figured if I could, you know, you had to be out for one. I was like, hey, you'd probably rather miss the AFC South because that was just a actually kind of intriguing with some rookies arriving there at QBs. But definitely go catch that or any of the other divisions if you've missed it up. This is the last of the AFC shows and we'll be hitting the NFC the rest of the week. Uh, I would say definitely the Jags at the top, just like last year. I think the Titans are taking yet another step back. Uh, I, I just don't believe they've done nearly enough to contend with the, the uh, Jags at this point. And then it just comes down to, I probably still have the Titans second in the division. So if we have the Jags going, you know, 11 wins, six losses, I think the Titans will maybe finish in second, but still be under 500, like seven and nine, uh, you know, or it'd be rather seven and 10, 17 game season. 
I, I think about seven wins sounds right. They're still a tough team. Rabel, I still believe in, but ultimately, I, I just don't think they have the firepower to keep up with the Jags. The rest of the division's trash. I think Houston's going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I don't oh, believe yeah. in Stroud. I have Stroud having a pretty good year, but that defense is still a mess. They still don't have a ton of firepower around CJ Stroud. So even though I do believe he's the future, it's going to be some growing pains. Uh, between him and, and I think the Colts have a little bit more stability there. Anthony Richardson yeah. a bit more of a wild card at rookie QB, but I feel like the Colts just as an organization seem to have a little more just with it. And I, I really like that rookie head coach coming in there over from the uh, Eagles, Shane Stecken. He's a great offensive mind, great things for Justin Herbert and then for Jalen Hurts and back-to-back years. So to me, if one team's going to hit the ground running a little faster with their rookie QB, I think it's probably the Colts even with a more raw guy. So I'll have the Colts in third maybe six wins at most. And then the Texans, potentially the worst team in the NFL, uh, even if CJ Stroud does well, I'd say two to three wins tops for them. What about you? This is boring because I, I completely 100% (laughs) every single thing you just said, Jags, uh, Titans, maybe slightly below 500. um, And then the Colts and the Texans, I think are both going to be terrible, but gun to my head, I would probably pick the Colts to be a slightly better bad team. So, uh, yeah, we feel exactly the same way. Glad we got that out of the way. Um, You ready to dive into the AFC West? Let's dive in. I'll pull up the projections now. No Uh, better team to start with, of course, than the good old, uh, you know, Kansas City Chiefs defending champions. Ever heard of them? Here we go. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you have already gone on record as saying that you think they're going to stink and that the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> now that is not me saying the Chiefs are going to stink. I think this. Chiefs I don't remember still if that was a be. direct quote or not, but that's how I remember. <laughs> I did predict that I think the Bengals will go all the way and finally get it done with Joe Burrow there, Joe Cool. But that's not because I think the Chiefs are going to stink. Rather, I think they're going to have another beautiful duel in the AFC Championship game with Burrow just slightly edging out Pat Mahomes this year. Okay. But in terms right. of the regular season, I, I think this is yet another dominant year for this Chiefs, this Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes regime. What, what else is there to expect but dominance at this point? That's all they have done. So starting as we always do, we like to look at the team level and just how many raw plays we expect this team to be uh, running. And then we can decide how many is that pass, how many run, and then what will the market shares, the slices of these pies end up being. But just at the team level, I wanted to quickly show you since Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes have uh, paired up. Um, that's not here we go here. It's pulling up right here. Uh, they have not attempted in the last three years, fewer than 630 pass attempts. They have been at a 61% or higher pass rate in five straight seasons, all five with Pat Mahomes. That's a big difference from when he had Alex Smith. They were a really balanced team there, but they have yeah. leaned into the cannon arm of Mahomes. And why wouldn't you, as you can see too, mostly above league average, certainly for three straight more plays than typical run by the league average. Mahomes' first couple of years, they actually did surprisingly play at a little bit of a slower pace. They just were bombs away. It was more so because the offense was just off the field so fast because they were scoring so fast. Uh, not necessarily that they were playing at a slow pace or anything of that nature. Um, so I do expect more of the same. Another 680-ish pass attempts. I'll scroll back up here. They haven't been above 440 rushing attempts since Kareem Hunt left and after he led the league in rushing with Alex Smith. So I think another you know mediocre at best in terms of rushing pie, really big aerial pie, and it can't get any tastier than when it comes from Patrick Mahomes. I have him going for yet another banger of a season, as you can see. 
5,390 yards, 39 touchdowns. Last year, he did actually throw uh, the second most touchdowns of his career, which was crazy. You lose Tyree Kill, you think he's going to take a step back, and he ends up throwing for the most yards of his career, the second most touchdowns, just having himself a monster season. As you can see, he really just has he, – he's it's, it's Pat Mahomes. I mean, you don't need me to sing his praises too much. Uh, but in terms of his five years of the league, quarterback one, six, two, four, and one, uh, it, top five in points per game every year as the starter. So the QB six year, he ended up missing a few games and that just knocked him just out of the top five. But he's always been top five in points per game. He's thrown 37 or more TDs in all but one. And again, that was when he got hurt was the year he missed that. So no Tyreek, no problem. It's going to be yet another enormous and delicious aerial pie here in Kansas City. The d- debate then becomes, how does it get distributed here? Uh, last year, obviously, Travis Kelsey stepped up in the absence. He's always stepped up. He's always been a beast. In fact, he has had 25% or higher target share in all but one year with Pat Mahomes. He's never had fewer than 134 targets. So I can just scroll down and show you real quick. I expect him to yet again lead the way. And in fact, I have him going for a career high 164 targets right around his career highs in receptions, 1,460 yards and 10 touchdowns, just another absolute masterpiece from Travis Kelsey. And why could he take it even a step further in this year? Well, they also lost both Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman, who were the two uh, two of their top four guys in target share last year, in target share per game, both had injuries. So ultimately, McCole Hardman didn't log that many targets as a whole. But in the games he played, he was very active and did see a lot of work. Juju was second on the team with a 16% target share. So those have been vacated as well, 78 catches, uh, almost 100 targets there, even though he missed a game as well. He got to 99 targets. So that's a lot opening up. And they also had uh, the second most inside the 10 targets open up in the league. Um, Jarek McKinnon did return, so that got shaved off just a little bit, but they're still top five and inside the 10 targets there. And it just becomes, okay, so who's going to fill that Juju Smith-Schuster role? I don't know that they drafted anybody that's all that similar there. So I, t- to me, it's just that he had another huge season, whether it's the 164, 150, where he typically is around, you're going to get a monster season from Travis Kelsey. As we've talked about, you take him one overall, you'll get no argument from me. Such a huge edge over the field. He'll put up, I mean, these numbers I have him going for are top five receiver numbers, and you'll get it at these rarest position to find any type of production, never mind top five receiver. So big, big in on Kelsey. You see any reason why not to be? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane. You know, I'm looking, I'm looking at this list of receivers. And granted, Kelsey is essentially a receiver and, and one of the best in the business. But the fact that we are both confidently like – yeah, Mahomes is going to throw for five thousand yards and stuff. Look who! Look at these receivers! Look at these receivers! And it's and, nuts, and man. Neither one of us is like, oh man, I don't know if he's got the weapons cabinet. We're both like, yeah, he'll be fine. There's, there's exactly. no, there's, that's just. I mean, there's nobody better. I mean, I, it's, it's nuts. I know I'm not. That's not a hot take, but we're looking at Tony MVS, Sky Moore, and uh, Rasheed Rice, and we're like, yeah, he'll throw for five thousand yards. Right, exactly. I mean, starting X receiver Nat Jones in the slot, the Wolf. He's still throw for five k yards somehow. Probably probably get like six hundred yards on this team. Yeah, exactly. Until he throws one fastball at us and it just breaks our face. Laid out. This is assuming I remained healthy, which I certainly would not. 
Well, yeah, exactly. No chance of that. But yeah, but yeah I'm, all in, part. I'm, I'm all in on Kelsey. And honestly, we, we said it a year ago and we've talked about it kind of jokingly since then. I'm not sure this guy's not the number one overall pick. Yeah, it's really wild. Uh, it, it, just given the edge he can give you over the field, really, Kelsey does warrant that. I know last year I projected Mahomes to take a little step back, not because of any slight on him, just losing Tyreek Hill. I figured he, there's no way he can be like you know he'll be good i think i had him for like 4500 yards and 30 touchdowns it's just a slight step back and he ends up throwing for the most yards of his career so that's just it's just a insane you know somebody's going to be putting up stats here beyond travis kelsey it just becomes is it consistent is it sustainable does it end up mattering so to me i projected out 15 percent of the targets behind kelsey going to Kadarius tony that's the next highest slice the next biggest so if he can stay healthy and log over 100 targets from pat mahomes I really do think Kadarius Tony has some very untapped ceiling. You saw it there, like in the playoffs, he'd only touched the ball, I think, six total times. He scored two touchdowns. Just very explosive guy that all offseason, all the talk has been is how he's evolving into that true number one for this team that they believe he can do it at the, the deep level of the field. That's an untapped part of his game. He certainly can. He has over you know, one of the highest 99th percentile speed scores coming out. So the guy can get deep. Uh, not never going to compare him to Tyree kill speed, but he has that type of ability to take the top off the defense, but then also really, really eat underneath. And after the catch, he's so dangerous. That's where we've already seen him be such a beast uh, at this NFL level on his limited amount of glimpses. So you're asking for a lot. We have never seen him fully stay, stay together and keep it healthy, but he does bring that type of versatility. You saw him line up in the backfield. He could be that true alpha here. So going in round seven right now, you know, 932 through the air and seven touchdowns in addition to maybe a couple scores on the ground. You know how much Andy Reid loves those little shovel passes and those cute little gimmicks. You can definitely see Tony, who, again, as I said, minimal snaps last year, but when he was in, he was scoring at will in this offense. So I really like Kadarius Tony. I think he's a great pick in that seventh round range where he's going right now. And after him, though, it does get a little sketchy. I, I don't ever trust MVS. Even in best ball, you know, you'll have two to three spikes. And yeah, sure, he'll be in your lineup for those. But I do not. I've never been an MVS guy. Still not an MVS guy. He only had one season above a 55% catch rate, even with Mahomes last year, was still a 52% catch rate. So not a big fan of MBS. He gets he, does, he serves his role. He stretches the defense, but he doesn't actually put up many points on his own. A lot of rumbling so far that Sky Moore is the early favorite to replace Juju as the main slot guy, and that he's really looked up to the role so far in camp. This is shorts, you know, shorts and, and helmets and you never know how he's actually going to look when the pads come back on. He didn't do much as a rookie, but that often happens with Andy Reid as it takes these guys uh, at least a season to really adjust. Similar to Kadarius Tony, I think we can give Sky Moore a similar benefit of the doubt. We've just seen more from Kadarius Tony, uh, more explosiveness and more praise coming out of camp as well. So I don't have more beating out Tony for the number one role, but I have him among the receivers finishing as the the, the second uh, between him and Tony. Obviously, Kelsey being the number one there. And then Rasheed Rice, an impressive rookie who's apparently used a you know, great contested catch type of guy. So he's been using his big frame well in early camp and, and staying after with Mahomes and all the things you want to see for a rookie. But as I was just saying with Sky Moore, it often takes at least a half a season, if not a full year, for these rookie receivers to show up in Andy Reid's offense. But he, the kid can block. He's definitely one of those guys that can be in. You know, Justin Watson was often in there last year just to block and get deep. Rasheed Rice can do that. He's just better than Justin Watson at this point. So uh, definitely could see this intriguing rookie do some things down the second half of the year. But he's going a little too expensive in these early drafts for me. So even at, you know, 563-3, 
That's fine. I also should know. I just I got Sky Moore, who did see a, a few backfield snaps last year. I got him getting nine carries and doing pretty good with that as well. So a nice versatile role for some of these receivers. But to me, it's really obviously Kelsey, first round, you know, top five overall, go for him. And then Kadarius Tony. And then I really just haven't been landing a ton more, but Sky Moore in that like 11, 12 range, uh, I've been kind of going in on. So that wraps up the receivers. Did you have any questions on any of them, Truth, or should I move on into the back? Well, I mean, I, I don't really have any questions on any of them. I'm not really into any of them. I I, I think I agree with you that Tony's going to be the, the top dog, but I'm not really too excited to own any of these guys, which is just crazy. When we're, Again, we're talking about someone throwing for 5,300 yards. And they're like, hey, you want any of his receivers? And I'm like, nah, not really. Nah, just his tight end. <laughs> yeah. It is crazy. I got, it's, it's wild. And that's kind of the case last year because you think about it, even Juju, second on the team receiving, really wasn't that great. It's certainly not his no, price tag really in wasn't. fantasy last year. Uh, it just, it, it, you can't, I don't get how he's just, Mahomes just does it. Like he just does it even without people being all that valuable in fantasy. Um, the running backs, though, he does like to get them involved in the passing yeah, game. Andy Reid always has. Uh, and it's interesting because back in the day, Andy Reid's workhorse, and this is why we were all in on CEH as a rookie. You know, you'd go to Jamal Charles and Brian Westbrook, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt for so long. It used to be clear cut, like absolute bell cow for Andy Reid. Uh, but if we, we pull up here, the running back ones, you'll see since Mahomes took over, the highest rushing share we've seen a back get is 53% of the workload. Last year, 41% went to Isaiah Pacheco, and that's exactly where I have it falling in line this year. I, it might make a lot of people roll and, and throw up here, but I don't have CEH just disappearing. It's the fifth year, uh, or the fourth year, rather. They did not pick up the fifth-year option for him. So last year of his contract, we often do see teams see, what can we get out of this guy? I mean, look no further. I guess Josh Jacobs is a – he clearly had shown a lot more than CEH throws career. I'm not trying to compare those two, but a lot of times when they're about to run out of their contract, teams do end up giving these backs a lot more work just to see what they can do. And this is a crazy stat truth is in the beginning of last year, through the first four weeks, CEH was the running back four in fantasy. He was outscoring Austin Eckler, outscoring Christian McCaffrey, and outscoring Derrick Henry, among others, among every other yeah. person other than like three other backs in there. I so remember. He, even though he sucks and, and it was like, it wasn't good usage. It, it Everybody kept saying, sell him, sell him, sell him. And, and as they should have been, we were agreeing too. We're like, this doesn't seem sustainable given he's got 35, 41, 45% uh, percent of the snaps is how is he still doing this? And then ultimately if he had sold there after that, he didn't have another double digit point game, but multiple 20 point days to start the year. So at the last rest bell, at last round best ball pick, it, maybe I don't think it's going to impact Pacheco. As you guys can see, I definitely have, Pacheco getting the team high share here, but Jarek McKinnon who was the clear cut number two last year after CEH got hurt and then kind of disappeared. Uh, I think I could see him taking a little bit of a hit here. Uh, certainly maybe they get Hilaire who was supposed to be one of the best receiving prospects that uh, at the position coming out for, you know, past 10 years, he can, he can catch the ball and early camp reports are wheel routes looking good underneath, looking more explosive than he has in past years. I know it's gross. You go again, like, why is he still talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire? How can you not move on? But at this point, you're talking about the last round, pick 210 in your underdog drafts. And whether it's injury, whether it's the team just saying, let's give it one last hurrah and see what we have with Hilaire for at least a few games or two. I, I could see him getting at least a couple 20 point spikes on the season. <laughs> have you tuned me out enough suspiciously just because I was talking about Hilaire? 
that much, I, or what, what are your thoughts? I didn't, I didn't tune you. I didn't tune you out. I, I'm listening. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not going on for Ceh in the last round. No. Yeah, and I'm not, the thing is, I'm not interested. Yeah. I hear you. Um, no, I don't want him. Yeah, that's fine. Cordell Patterson goes in the same range. I know you. I alternate between those two. Yeah, I alternate between those two a lot. But to me, this does make Jarek McKinnon, you know, score nine touchdowns last year, most fantasy points per touch last year. It makes him a bigger risk, in my opinion, whereas he going. It makes Isaiah Pacheco a bit of a big risk. He's going right now. Pacheco goes with, like, (laughs) what'd you say? Sorry. I don't don't like any of these guys. And the more I say this, the dumber it sounds because – like we're talking about a team that we just uh, acknowledge see, yeah. is going to be an explosive <laughs> offense and throw for tons of yards and score tons of touchdowns. And you're like, so do you want any running backs or receivers? And I'm like, no, I don't want not any. really. <laughs> not really. Not, not from the best offense in the league. No, I don't want those. It's it's wild. That's just, again, when you, you need a concentrated offense in fantasy and as good as this offense is, it's the furthest thing away from concentrated outside of, again, Travis Kelsey. Uh, and that's why I just don't like Pacheco where he's going right now. You know, I have yeah. him looking solid, 750 yards, five-ish touchdowns. I could probably bump those touchdowns up to even eight touchdowns. And I still don't really like his price tag because you're having to take him ahead of or right around Cam Akers, who I think is going to be a true featured back. James Conner goes like two rounds after Isaiah Pacheco. And I think projects as a much safer bet for volume here. So I do like the player. And I think the team really did like, they saw what he could bring to the table in the playoffs. He played through like a broken rib and started like the opposite of Hilaire. So the the team really lauds him and they respect him. And maybe he does get a slight uptick as a, a bonus here because he played so well for this team. But even still, I just think the other guys are such more involved as a pass catchers, whether it's McKinnon or Hilaire or both. And then you never, you always have that risk of maybe Hilaire sneaks his way back into this backfield again. And I, to me, Pacheco's just a little bit overdrafted, uh, certainly given the names that go around him. So yeah, it really comes down to, I love Travis Kelsey. You can take him with a top five pick. Of course you love Mahomes, but I personally go Josh Allen. So I don't even get a ton of Pat Mahomes there. And then Kadarius Tony, I do get a lot of in round seven, uh, but he's starting to climb into early round six at times. And and even that would be a little too rich for me. So I don't, it, it, you were chuckling about, I really don't end up with all that many Chiefs, despite thinking they'll be a top five offense in nearly every category you ask for passing wise. Yeah, it's just not a team that I, I'm getting a ton of given their prices right now. Yeah, I hear you. A good assessment of the Chiefs, in my opinion. And uh, just the, when I see it on paper and then I actually talk about guys I'm targeting and I'm interested in, it's crazy that I don't want them more other than Kelsey. Right. I mean, obviously, we like Allen more than Mahomes. If I get Mahomes, I'm not complaining. I mean, he's. Oh, awesome. of course not. No, I'm ha- happy to have Mahomes, but sure, yes. I'm happy to welcome him to the team. Absolutely. Yes, of course. And if you're uh, catching the show with us, too. That thumbs up button does help us continue to grow, get out to more people. It looks like we got at least somebody commenting in there. I didn't even see uh, who we got here with us today. Maybe he's a Charlie Menelakis for the London. No, Tunes, of course. Had to guess. I should have guessed Tunes, uh, the first overall pick there. <laughs> but no, thank you again so much for those of you that are live with us or catching the replay. We hope you enjoy the show, uh, and we will continue plowing forward now. All right, we're going to get into the Chargers now. Uh, another very fun AFC West team. Like you said uh, at the jump, maybe a little underwhelming last year, just given the expectations we had. I feel like you might have had Herbert. Did you have Herbert QB1 or QB2 uh, at the beginning of last year? 
And QB2 behind Josh Allen. But, yeah, he was pretty consensus QB2. It was like yeah. him and Mahomes, a lot of people were debating between. And, obviously, Mahomes was the right pick there, and I was on the wrong side of this one. <laughs> uh, I just thought I'd get the Tyree kill downgrade. But, yeah, now he's falling to, like, QB6 or so, and I think this offense is – We, we grabbed him at QB6 in one of our best balls, and I loved it. Yes, yes. Loved it. Um, yeah, I really we, like the chart. We both kind of agree that there's a drop after him, right? Yeah, in terms of like who could be that true cheat code, it was him in a tier. It was him, Burrow, and then I had like a a next tier and a half with Trevor Lawrence, who I do really like. We talked about him on the AFC South yeah, show you, last week, but there is a drop between him and Herbert, in my opinion. Not a full. Yeah, tier you would drop. never draft Lawrence over either of those guys, but I never. understand. I understand why he's there. Um, yes. All right, let's get into the Chargers under new management. Talk to me about what you're looking for from these guys this year. Yeah, Kellen Moore now man in the offense, which I think is going to have a really big impact. I hate Joe Lombardi. thought he was a moron. He, you know, the, one of the best arms we've seen ever in the league, and he just reined it in with a little pop gun attack. It, it was stupid, complete mismanagement of his talent, and I do not think that will be the case with Kellen Moore. So just in terms of raw plays, before we talk about what these plays are going to look like, I do have this team running well well above league average. Uh, you can look at the team level down here, and that is consistent with – uh, Staley, he likes to be aggressive. He likes to run a ton of plays. Ever since Herbert Scott here, they have been significantly above league average the past three yep. seasons. Uh, Staley and him arrived together. So you can see 75, 71, and 84 plays above league average in the three seasons with Justin Herbert. Clearly a very pass-happy team there too. 64%, 62%, and 57% pass rate in that span. And then you have Kellen Moore come in who, who pushes the pace even further. So I expect potentially even more plays, certainly more aggressive plays. All the talk so far in this early uh, camp has been just Herbert unleashing the deep ball more more early and often, especially on those like first down plays where they catch the defense off guard. They've really been lighting it up. And I get, I get it. It's OTAs. It's shorts. We can't just go nuts here. But the fact that it's already been noticeably felt by beat writers, by the players themselves coming out and saying, we're going to be throwing this thing deep. It's so clear this year. Keenan Allen saying, you know, I might get the highest yards per reception of my career the way he's using me right now. Uh, so I really, really like what he's going to bring to the table. Kellen Moore, just from a sheer volume standpoint, you can see lots of plays running. He's, he's also, so that was the, the Chargers history, but you can look at Kellen Moore as well. Definitely a little more balanced. Uh, but also con consistently above league average of 99, 51, 55, 64 plays. In his first three seasons, that's when he really had the keys to this offense and was similarly around that 60% pass rate. Last year, McCarthy did take back over, uh, not officially, but apparently, you know, when you hear some of the comments, sounds like he really reigned in Kellamore, saying that he fired him because he was trying to light up the scoreboard too much, throwing it too much. I want to run the ball so I can rest my defense. I don't want to be the number one offense in the league, unlike Kellamore. So I know we've said that quote many times on the show, and I get it. I guess if that's how you want to play your game, that's why you want to play your game. But I think the Chargers got to steal. It. I do not get it. I'm not going to say that <laughs> you want to play your game. You want to play your game. If you, if someone's an offensive coordinator and they've got, and that's like the best offense in the league, you know, generally speaking, you're happy with those results. I've never, yes. I've, <laughs> I'm trying to remember ever hearing something so stupid in my life. He's, he's <laughs> too effective at his job. 
Exactly. It, no, it doesn't I'm not, make sense. I'm not even going to give him the, the, the okay if that's what you want to do. There's no excuse for it. It's crazy. No, I, I'm, I'm pretty much with you there, too. I do understand the idea that, you know, if you're throwing it and scoring way too fast, your defense doesn't get a rest. I, I get that. Uh, but still, you know, if, the fact that Kellen Moore, he had, he had only three seasons with Dak, and really only two of those years was he allowed to operate the offense he wanted to. First in the league in yards, second in the league in points. First in the league in yards, first in the league in points. Uh, in 2019 and 2021, those are the two seasons that he had Dak healthy. And the first five games of 2020 when Dak was healthy, he was averaging over 30 fantasy points a game. He would have been putting up the most points ever by a quarterback, uh, by any fantasy player, going for 32 points a game. I don't know if you remember that crazy stretch in 2020 where Dak he had 44, 46, 34 points, and he had 15 in the first half against the Giants and got hurt. Uh, so it, it was wild. I remember I owned him. And I <laughs> oh, was, yeah. <laughs> I was riding, like, really high for a while. And yes. That, that, was, that was devastating for me when he got injured. And yes. I'm sure for him, too. <laughs> a little less for him, a little more for you, but I guess you both had a little bit of pain invested in Dak. But you saw firsthand then how when this offense is clicking that this can be one of the craziest offense in the league. And I don't think it's a stretch to say at all that Herbert is a significant two steps ahead of Dak in terms of just raw talent. The guy yeah. is ridiculous. So sure. I, I would not be shocked at all. Maybe you call me the man of hyperbole, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if Justin Herbert pushes for the passing record this year. He has an extra game ahead of Peyton Manning through for over 5,400 yards. And I have, as you can see, I'll go back to the uh, the projections and kind of scroll up. You can see I've, I've raved about how this offense will be faster. You know, play, take more deep shots and really play into Justin Herbert's strength. So I have that translating right around 5,400 yards, right aligned with that record. I don't have quite the amount of touchdowns. I think Manning threw for like 55 touchdowns that year. But honestly, I mean, it really is within that realm of possibility, given the faster pace, the better play calling, and the fact that they add Quentin Johnson, one of my favorite receivers of this class, to now have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Quentin Johnson. That's a top three trio in the entire league that could even push for number one. So I love the weapons. I love the play calling. I love the player in Justin Herbert. As you said, going at quarterback six right now in round five, you know, you get him a few rounds after those other Josh Allen's, Jalen Hurts's, and he, he should go after those guys. But by two rounds or so, I think he could absolutely threaten uh, to be a cheat code style quarterback that you can have five other talent picks ahead of him. So I, I think he's going to be great. I also did bump up his rushing touchdowns. Yeah. He, he had five a couple years ago and uh, when he was used with Shane Steckin, and then they, they really reined him in as a runner and they probably won't run him much. But if you look at his combine measurables, they, Scott Barrett pointed this out to me, his numbers were better than Josh Allen. So like if he, they ever actually wanted to use him as a Konami guy, they really could. They probably will never and they shouldn't, you know, when you have an arm like that, use yeah, the arm. But, but he can. Dak had multiple six touchdown plus seasons in a row under Kellen Moore. They love calling that kind of read option when they get in tight. So even if he just bumps it up from it was zero last year to five, that's a that's a significant jump here uh, for him. So I just, I put in a, a little bit of that factor as well. Um, so clearly, similar to Pat Mahomes, I think this one's going to be a very, very juicy pie. But I do think this one's going to have some weapons that are much clearer uh, to, to be, have it distributed to and guys that you really want. 
none more so than Austin Eckler, uh, who I again project for some monster totals. The guy scored 38 touchdowns across his last two seasons. That is wild uh, scoring pace there. And I have him for once again going for 17 uh, step backwards, 17 touchdowns. <laughs> it's crazy uh, how, how good this guy is. Uh, they have talked a lot about how the running game is certainly something that they're trying to streamline, just make simpler, and how they just really didn't. The linemen are really talking about that, how they like Kellen Moore. You, you look at his Cowboys games. Yes, they definitely chucked it deep and had these high-flying attacks, but they had some great running games throughout that too. Yes, Pollard and, and Prime Zeke were good players to ride, uh, but Austin Eckler can certainly get it done both as a receiver and a runner too. So I do expect a little more stability, higher yards per pop for Austin Eckler than he's had in the past, just given a, a more consistent, steady scheme that everybody's raving about. I just know I mentioned the line, best line that he's going to ever play behind where Sean Slater looking like the next studded left tackle did get hurt towards bicep at week three last year. And so they had to kind of mix around pieces and it just kind of faltered from there. But if you have him there, you can kick Zion Johnson, a first round guard back into his more natural spot. And you've got yourself maybe a top six line in the league. We haven't seen that ever for Justin Herbert and for Austin Eckler. So another monster season coming for him, a thousand on the ground, 650 through the air on 85 catches, about 17 to 20 combined touchdowns. Well worth the first round pick that you're going to have to spend on him. He's falling right now to eight or nine or so an underdog. And I love it. I know it's a receiver really? heavy platform, uh, but yeah, I, I, I get him every time he's there at nine. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, I, it is I low. I believe he's dropping that low. Exactly. And, and I keep in mind too, if this offense does take another step forward, as I think it, the fact that he scored 38 touchdowns in back-to-back years, and this offense could be even better as a whole might mean like 20 to 25 touchdowns is a real possibility. So I know. 17 touchdowns is honestly like his floor. <laughs> it's nuts to me. I absolutely love Austin Eckler. They made no moves to really behind him. They've talked about Josh Kelly being a bit more active as a, a more of a thumping type of body, but he is such a significant step like 10 steps behind Austin Eckler as a talent that in any type of close game, I don't think they're going to Josh Kelly at all. And maybe he vultures. I probably should bump him up for a few more touchdowns. Um, Cause I do think he's going to kind of become a, a little bit of a vulture. And that's why I had Eckler step back a bit. So maybe I give Josh Kelly like three touchdowns uh, and, and, and call it a day. Unless, unless Eckler's getting hurt, which I mean, there's always substantial risk at this position. I, we talked about this when, when we talked I think when we talked running backs, this is, you know, you have a season like that, like you had two years ago and you say like, Oh, he's, there's gotta be some, some regression when it happens again, then you have to say, I mean, for me at least, then it's like, all right, well now you got to prove to me why it's not going to happen a third time. Like he's a a touchdown machine. Like I don't think he's going to get too many vultured. No, exactly. I, I don't think so. He's so damn good. Right. Exactly. Why take him out? You know, it's an automatic six every time you go to him. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. So 17 touchdowns honestly feels like a floor to me. There is some value to Josh Kelly in the sense that, yeah, he might be a, a handcuff with benefits, but certainly the handcuff aspect of it. Uh, Eckler didn't miss any time last year, so it didn't matter. But we did see two years ago when Eckler missed one game, Justin Jackson had 30 fantasy points, was the running back one. So just a matter of being that good of an offense that whoever has to step up and get the volume is going to be a pretty good play regardless. So there is some late round stab appeal to Josh Kelly, but we still don't even know. Is he going to be that compliment? Is it going to be Isaiah Spiller, the rookie they drafted last year, who really, really underwhelmed and disappointed a lot of people? Uh, we'll see. But really, you only care about Austin Eckler out of the backfield. At receiver, much different story. Three guys that you really have to know. So as you can see, target-wise, I distributed 16% to Austin Eckler. That'd be a slight step back. He usually sees 
at 19 to 20, but I did want to account for the addition of Quentin Johnston, an absolute monster who I think is going to fit this offense perfectly. Leading the way is Keenan Allen. You know, I know it's his uh, age, what, 35 season at this point, so he's getting up there, and he's close to that cliff. But even last year, when he was in, the 10 games he played, he was the wide receiver eight uh, in terms of fantasy points per game. He was a top 24 wide receiver, a whopping 86% of the time. He had only yeah, one quote-unquote dud, and he still put up 10 points in that dud game. So Keenan Allen was as good as ever. He just missed a little more time than we had seen in the prior years. But already, he, he's the, the star of early camp. They're talking about how Keenan Allen's being used in the, a more of a deep ball role than he's ever been used for the, the last you know seven years. And it's not like he can't do it. He's done that before. I kind of want to pull up real quick uh, Keenan Allen, just kind of show you Back in the day, he did have a, a quite a bit higher yards per um, yards per reception here. So Keenan Allen, a couple of crazy things I just wanted to point out is one: when he plays, he gets he's always going to be targeted. You know, always. above twenty three percent target share in all of the last seven seven seasons, including all of those above twenty five percent or higher, other than last year. Uh, but he yeah. has had uh, some vertical elements to his game: thirteen point six, twelve point two one. He this is when he was a bit more of an air Coriel offense under the Turners, and they were actually letting him get deep. That's more resembling what this scheme is. So I think a return to this type of like 1,300-ish yards is very yeah. possible if he is streaking deep down the field. It's an older player, but I, after statting them out, I bumped him up a little bit in my rankings ahead of Debo, ahead of some other guys who I do love as well. Uh, but as like a round three receiver, he becomes somebody that I hadn't been getting a lot of to somebody I am looking to continue to go, uh, go after and go after regularly. I know Quentin Johnson, a big mouth to come in here, this rookie I, I keep alluding to. I think that's going to nibble more so at Mike Williams. But as you can see, those 17 and 16% share for those guys, you're still in such a high volume attack getting over 110 targets for those guys as well. So I do think there's plenty of room for all three of those guys, plus Austin Eckler. If the pie is as big as I expect, you know, we're talking three potential thousand yard receivers, all of them having six or more touchdowns here. I give a slight edge to Mike Williams just being here longer. He also has reportedly been a dominant force in early camp. Quentin Johnson, though, all the talk has also been how impressive he is getting deep down the field, but also that he's bringing this new run after the catch. He's a big body guy, but he is very, very shifty after the catch as well. So that's kind of an element that the, that uh, the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, and then head coach Brandon Staley saying, we didn't have that element last year. He's bringing something new. So I think all of them will be heavily involved. Obviously the biggest hits then go to Josh Palmer, who I think is going to be useless at this point. Uh, and Gerald Everett, who, yeah, he's still okay. We saw Dalton Schultz get really good usage with Kellen Moore, but he also didn't have three receivers of these this level of capability. So I think this will be a pretty evenly distributed, a uh, you know, huge pie, pretty evenly distributed. All these guys have a lot of upside in it. I don't get a ton of Mike Williams just because, as you can see, I have very similar stats, 1,120 and 8 for him on 70 catches versus 72, uh, almost 1,106 for Quentin Johnson. Johnson just goes about five rounds later, and I think they're going to be this close in production that where Mike Williams goes, I'd rather have Joe Mixon. I'd rather have you know, sometimes Najee Harris is even falling into that range. And I like Mike Williams, definitely a good best ball style guy because, you know, 30 points one week, zero the next. That doesn't kill you in best ball like it does in regular fantasy. Uh, so I do like him in some of these early best ball drafts, but I still think there's guys going around him that I prefer. So to me, Keenan Allen will be nice and steady, 23% or so target share. The other guys might nibble at each other a little bit, but they're both going to be great picks. I just like Quentin Johnson, who goes a little bit cheaper. Agree. I, I, I own Sweet. Mike Williams. 
I owned Mike Williams last year and it was, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't a, it wasn't a fun experience. It was like, you know, he, he blows up every now and then. And when he does, especially when it happens early in the year, you feel really smart and it's just really fun pulling for him. But man, there's, you know, there was like one catch four yard games and you nothing make especially when you need him. I, I feel like there was a game last year where I just needed him to be okay. And I would have won. And he, and it was like a Monday night game and he was just off. Yep. I remember that because we did the uh, the, uh, the the show ahead of time. You're like, I just need like eight from Mike Williams. I think he got like zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, the worst no, game, you know. Yeah, and and it just wasn't fun. I agree with you though. He's uh, much better suited as best ball. Yes, and and this offense is really going to suit his skills too. That he is a big body that can get down the field no, um, early and often. So maybe he finds a little more consistency. But I agree, especially with Quentin Johnston added here too. I think it's going to be. Uh, a lot of mouths and he might be the least consistent of them. Um, so he, at his price, at least is not a guy I'm often getting. I think tunes brings up a really good point here. I, you know, just checking the questions and comments and great to see Charlie Menelakis has in fact joined, uh, but tunes saying how many screen yards for Eckler with all this deep ball talk. And I think it's a really good point is it's part of what makes that so dangerous is uh, how much space that's going to be underneath for Austin Eckler. If these receivers are playing to the levels, I think they are all the better for him. And I also think, but you also see, so Austin Eckler has much damage as he did last year. He had negative a hundred air yards on the year. Cause they just you know, swing passes behind the line of scrimmage. And I don't think that's going to be the case with Kellen Moore. We saw some great real wheel routes out of Tony Pollard, uh, him lining up in the slot and making some just great moves. So I, I could even see Eckler being used more creatively and also not just screen yards, but going deep two tunes. So, I, I mean, I'm just so excited for this offense as a whole, for Kellen Moore's arrival and what that could mean uh, in terms of unlocking the, the true ceiling of Justin Herbert, which as just to summarize for anybody coming in late here, I think Justin Herbert could actually break the passing record this year uh, in terms of yards and maybe even touchdowns if he just really, really blew up. Like Dak Prescott was going to break the record for touchdowns potentially when uh, he was healthy in 2020 and then got hurt in this Kellen Moore attack. And I think this is a better quarterback with better weapons. I, I just can't wait for this. I am so excited. I want the more I say this out truth, the more I'm like, I wish I had been drafting more Justin Herbert. I have him obviously in the draft we did and I, I've done him a few other times, but I, I'm going to get a, a lot more shares the more and more I project this offense out. <laughs> cool. I'm looking forward to watching this team. This is definitely, uh, you know, yes. this is definitely must-see football, I would say. You want to do the Raiders or the Broncos next? Uh, let's go to the Raiders. Let's let's hit these Raiders. Okay. Raiders. This is, I was, uh, this is not, you know, th- this is like my big call from last year. As like I said, they would be better than the Broncos last year. Um, and boy, was I right. Because, man, the Broncos were terrible. Um, where yeah. do you see the Raiders this year? Do you see them kind of moving parallel to where they were last year? Do you do you see yeah. any significant big change bringing in Jimmy G instead of Derek Carr? No, Jimmy G is more of a winner. So maybe they yeah, pull out a game or two that they wouldn't have otherwise. But in terms of just overall offensive production – just overall team, I don't think they're going to be much better. In fact, the production could go a little step backwards because Jimmy G is much more conservative and takes care of the ball and the big shots aren't going to be there nearly at the level. of. And Derek Carr wasn't good, but he at least tried to throw the deep ball quite often. So I don't think they're going to be a significant jump ahead. And I do think Sean Payton coming to the Broncos 
does make them a lot more interesting. So I think uh, we'll talk about where we see everybody finishing at the yeah. end, but uh, I don't like the Raiders very much in terms of uh, overall, unless Jimmy G really is just that good of a winner. I guess we'll find out uh, soon enough. Um, in terms of the overall offense, though, you know they were at 585 pass attempts last year, a little under 420 rush attempts. I think something similar with a decent bump in rush attempts and a little bit of a drop in pass attempts just to account for Jimmy G. He is more conservative. He likes uh, to lean on the run game. You've seen it with the 49ers. If Josh McDaniel is going to use that map, roadmap at all, then I do expect this to be uh, a somewhat – conservative attack now we did see josh mcdaniels and jimmy g together for just two games over with the uh, new england patriots but they had a uh, they did let him throw it decently enough he was on pace for over 500 pass attempts in those two games he threw three touchdowns uh in the second game over 280 yards in the first game so they had some pass success but this also was in 2016 so a decent amount of time ago as well uh but he was on pace for 4,200 yards, 34 touchdowns. And to me, that would be the ceiling here, 4,200 yards and uh, 34 touchdowns on 502 pass attempts. That that was the pace he was on in his starts with uh, McDaniels before. So I have him right around there, a little step back, 4,125. Um, maybe they do air it out a little bit more and he can approach that 30 touchdown in the, the 42 to 4,500 yard range. He certainly has uh, okay enough weapons in terms of where you have Devontae Adams, what else do you really need? Uh, Josh Jacobs looking good as a receiver too, but I just, it's not, it's certainly not someone I'm looking to go out and draft right now. Jimmy G really has never been he's as good as he is real life wise in terms of getting the wins and keeping you competitive every single week. He just never really moves the needle fantasy wise. Uh, so I'm not targeting him at all, but that doesn't mean there's no people of no interest because it is some, some solid options in this offense. And it is the opposite of the chiefs in that it's very, very concentrated uh, on two people really is all that, that matter here. Uh, as you can see, Devonte Adams, a whopping 28% target share. And that would actually be a step back from what he's seen the last six years. I only put him a little bit of a slight back step back because they did go out and sign Jacoby Myers to a really big contract. We know he has some good experience with Josh McDaniels as well from their England days. So I do expect him to nibble in just a little bit more. Cause you look at last year, they had you know, Mac Hollins was second on the team with a 15% target share. Uh, there was really, nobody else to throw to so i think myers at least presents somewhat of a uh, interesting option there to snibble a little bit of adam's cheese but again not much nibbling uh going to happen here so as you can see there 28 percent share for adams 18 percent for myers 12 percent going to renfro who obviously a huge disappointment last year i was i'm so best pissed oh, i gosh. really thought he was going to dominate as that next mcdaniel slot we did, yeah. We, we did not have a good year at receiver last year, so, to put it mildly. Um, <laughs> so so we're going to be much more on our game this year, uh, for yeah. sure. But then you also have, you know, I, I have Josh uh, Jacobs. One of the big steps for him was getting that that heavier receiving work in addition to the rushing work. We had seen him kind of be a committee back throughout his career, and then he, bam, uh, under Josh McDaniels, really, really opened up his usage last year. Um, he had seen decent targets through his career, Josh Jacobs, but it was just that that rushing work becoming 100%. He saw 80% of the work. I don't think that's likely. They've already talked about how they're going to get Zemir White a little more involved. But given that Josh Jacobs is on that franchise tag, I could definitely see this being um, a decent 
just another like 350 plus touch season with the potential to again approach over 400 touches like he had last year. He was first in opportunities, second in attempts, first in the league in rush yards, the running back three in fantasy last year. Just an absolute monster of a season. But I did want to give that cautionary tale. John Daigle, one of my favorite accounts out there at not John Daigle, not Jay Daigle. Uh, five running backs have registered 390 plus touches in a single season over the last 10 years. This is their usage in the next year. McCaffrey, 76 touches across three games. Henry, 237 touches, eight games. DeMarco Murray, 237, 15 games. And then Le'Veon Bell held out. So that had only happened five other times, and all of those guys either got hurt early on or took a big step back. So the history is not on Josh Jacobs' size after this monster usage year, but he is still young. A lot of those guys, not, not Christian McCaffrey, but the rest of that list, we're entering um, some of the later stages of their careers. So it's a red flag. It's something to be aware of, um, especially on the injury front. And that could make Zamir White an interesting last round stab. But as it stands right now, you can see I have, you know, 67% of the rush work going to um, Josh Jacobs with 315 carries, 1,354 yards, 11 touchdowns on 4.3 a pop. And then also, again, seeing right around 65 targets like you saw last year. I got him going for 68 51 catches and, and holding in his first receiving touchdown of the year, 350 or of the uh, his career rather, and 357 yards. So solid, right around 360 touches, right around two, you know, 1600 yards total, and right around 12 to 15 touches. I, I love Josh Jacobs round three. I think it's a great price. You just got to again be aware though of the curse of 390 plus touches. Other than that, as said before, you know, yes, I see Jacoby Myers getting some good usage with 102 targets, 71 catches, but he's never been a big red zone guy. He's small, he's shifty, he's high percentage, he'll move the chains, but you're going to get, you know, 781, four touchdowns. I don't, I don't think that's anything overly useful in fantasy. It's Devontae Adams and then not much else. You know, whopping 158 targets, his, that would be, again, his low for his last seven years and still, you know, an absolute monster on them. He hasn't had lower than 10 touchdowns in any of his last uh, seasons when he's played at least uh, 15 or more games. He's had 10-plus touchdowns, more often than not, 13 or more touchdowns as well. He's a monster. There's really not else you have to say about him. 1,378 yards, 10 touchdowns, over 100 catches. Ho-hum, a great first-round fantasy receiver. I see him often, for whatever reason, falling to mid round two sometimes in these underdog drafts where receivers are heavily uh, targeted. He's going behind oftentimes. Let's say I've seen CD lamb frequently going above him. I love Amon Ross St. Brown, not more than Devonte Adams. I love Garrett Wilson, but we're, we're betting on Garrett Wilson becoming Devonte Adams. Why not just draft Devonte Adams himself? So I have another Devonte Adams monster year, the rookie tight end. I don't have doing much. It's a, it's a hard position to learn, but I mean, it is a role that McDaniels will craft if, if this kid is up for it. So that's a guy I could see getting bumped up a little bit if the, the early training camp reports are good, but it's Devonte Adams. It's Josh Jacobs. It's not a whole lot more. Uh, yeah. What, what do you think about Adams versus some of those younger guys? I, uh, are I you? Love Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I would, uh, uh, I heard you. I, I know you said Wilson. I know you said who was the CD Lamb, Saint Brown. Uh, I like it more than all those guys. I like Saint Me Brown too. better than those other two, but I but I like Adams more than those guys. And it's not particularly close for me. I actually think your numbers on Adams are a little bit low uh, for what I would say, which is ridiculous. <laughs> it's a monster year. <laughs> pretty damn. It, yeah, it is. I think the touchdowns might be a little low. 
Well, let's yeah, let's look. I mean, this this is his last few seasons. Thirty three percent target share last year. Hundred catches, fifteen hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns. One twenty three, fifteen hundred eleven. One fifteen. I mean, you're you're giving him his least number of touchdowns (laughs) in four years. I didn't even know those numbers. Just ten seemed low to me. Yeah, and then he was hurt this other one, but then 13, 10, and 13 touchdowns the, the other years prior to that. So yeah, you're really, you really calling him on the touchdowns. I, I might be. I guess part of that is maybe the Jimmy G effect, just because I do expect a little bit more conservative, uh, a few less of those deep bomb moonshots that we used to see from Aaron Rodgers, and, and Derek Carr at least would let him rope it. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to get those. Like, what a great goal line threat he is. He, oh man, that back shoulder is like, it's impossible to defend. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I probably should bump up the touchdowns a little bit. I just worry that a few of these touchdowns these last couple of years have been Adams uh, getting like that Hail Mary ball from either Rogers or last year, especially Carr thrown in like triple coverage and him leaping up and making a crazy play. I just don't know if Jimmy G will give him those type of opportunities true too, oh, Jimmy, uh, but we'll Jimmy see. G has, has proven that he will throw into triple coverage. Has he? Yeah, yeah, he gets picked off all the time when he does it. <laughs> in, 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 in big games, yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll bump up his TDs. I'll give him. I'll give him right in line with. He's at eleven percent. I just, I just think that you know. Yeah. Well, you asked how I felt about him compared to those young guys, and I kind of went I'll, on a tangent there. But he, I, I, I love Adams. I mean, he's just one of these guys, kind of like what I was saying with Eckler, except more so. It's like once you see somebody and, and Kelsey, you know, once you see somebody do something enough times, like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, and I was like, oh, the Jets are going to have to prove it to me. The Jaguars are going to have to prove it to me uh, before I'm going to believe in them. The Giants are going to have to prove it to me before I believe in them. Well, th- this fucking guy's proven it to me a shit ton of times. And yeah. so, yeah, I- I'll take it to the bank. <laughs> I-, I love him. I do. I- I'm with you. I think the 12 touchdowns, I just bumped him up too. That seems very reasonable. I, I can concede to you there, Truth. Uh, why not? <laughs> He's so damn good. All right. You want to wrap up the division? Uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, okay. Absolutely. Um, let's go to the Broncos. I, mean, mind, I know it might be the last team we're doing. Dude, do you mind removing the banner after? We, <laughs> I thought, or have you been doing that? And I just have. have no, I haven't. Been. I, I, every time I go to change, <laughs> every time I change it, go to change it to the next team, I'm like, shit, I left the banner up the whole time. So uh, right. <laughs> on here right now, I'm going to give it about a five count and then I'm getting rid of this banner um, as was the plan all episode, <laughs> which I've not done at all. Uh, so here we go. My trusty co-host. I appreciate it. Obviously <laughs> the biggest change for the Broncos, right? It's like I had one job and I didn't do it. Uh, big change for the Broncos is not on the field. It is the coach. Of course uh, they will yes. run ineptly last year would be a kind way to put it. But now uh, that guy is – where is he now? We we were just talking shit about him. Oh, the Jets, right? Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett. He's back oh, to the God. Jets. Right. That oh, was one of my God. big arguments against Rodgers. It's like, okay, so now he's – anyway. Uh, that, that's a whole different rant for a whole different day. In fact, if you want to hear that rant, go listen to the AFC East episode because I definitely yes. ranted about it. All right. Sell me on the Broncos if you can. I'll do my best, and it is buying the coach narrative 100%. Ken Sean Payton saved Russ Wilson and the Broncos, and if anybody can, it would be Sean Payton. This guy is among the most brilliant offensive minds this game has seen on that level with Andy Reid uh, as a, just a brilliant schemer, brilliant play caller. So if somebody can save this guy, it would be him. 14 years with the Saints, 
for Sean Payton. He was top 12 in yards and touchdowns in all but one year with those Saints. And even more impressive, in my opinion, in nine of those 14 years, so 65% of them, top five in the league in yards and touchdowns. Now, I get it. Drew Brees was prolific. This was like the ultimate marriage of talented quarterback, of a quarter, uh, a play caller that knew how to use him. But Brees was with the Chargers for a few years, did nothing of the sort. So I really do think the scheme is just phenomenal. Um, and you look at the end of the career, it wasn't just this all aired out prolific passing game. When Drew Brees was on his back nine, they only ranked 19th, 23rd, 13th, 25th, and 30th in passes. So it wasn't just always. Is a matter of throwing the ball like crazy. And that's why we're at this team level. You can probably, a lot of people are probably like, what? That's, you know, 560 pass attempts for Sean Payton. That's pathetic. That does not seem right. Well, actually, in the last five years as a coach, we just gave you that low number of pass attempts and the run pass ratio 50 50 in 2021, 51 49, 2020, 59 41, 2019, and then 52 48 in 2018. So in his last four seasons, uh, at least all but one of those have been like almost a perfect 50-50 split. So I do expect that. I think he's going to lean on his young running back in Javante Williams once he gets healthy and lean on Samaj P. Ryan until then. So I don't expect this to be a aerial bonanza, uh, but I do expect it to be efficient and very, very high-powered if Russ Wilson is actually capable of running that, which is a huge if. I really liked Russell Wilson until what I saw last year. I don't know if that was just one horrendous play caller situation and Russ can bounce back. I haven't bought into that narrative in terms of my draft style too much. I do draft a good amount of Javante Williams and Greg Dolchicks. We'll talk about both those guys in a second. I have not been landing a ton of Russell Wilson, sometimes Cortland Sutton in round nine, uh, not Jerry Judy at his price tag, but we'll talk about all those guys in a bit. Uh, in terms of what I expect from Russell Wilson, though, it's kind of like the late career Drew Brees. You know, right around 4,200 to 4,500 yards, right around 25 to 30 passing touchdowns if he can bounce back. There is also the ceiling. So maybe I should buy a little more Russ, but I don't know. I don't think I'm going to regret not having it, but there is the ceiling. We do just get a complete renaissance from the guy that Sean Payton, just like he did to Drew Brees, who threw for 40-plus touchdowns in you know, over half of his seasons. Maybe we do get you know 15 touchdowns added on to this, and then everybody here is just a complete and utter cheat code at their price tags. Clearly, that's not what I expect. I expect more of the, the last five years or so of the Drew Brees era of the, the Saints era where it was a much more balanced attack with some some nice, precise, like you know, high, just great deep ball shots that are timed up the right way. If Russ can still uncork like he used to be able to with the, the Seahawks, then this offense is going to take a very nice step forward under Sean Payton. How will that all get distributed, that four, uh, 4,200 yards and 30 touchdowns? So as you can see, I have Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton you know, neck and neck in terms of target share going back and forth. The early rumblings are Cortland Sutton's playing more of the Michael Thomas, like X big slot, move him around type of role. And Cortland Sutton also going four rounds after Jerry Judy, who goes around you know, close to Keenan Allen, who I just obviously raved about and gushed about. So to me, I, I have no Jerry Judy right now at his price tag. Give me Keenan Allen, Debo Samuel, even Christian Watson, who goes a little bit later than like more see here. I think him and Sutton are going to be very, very similar statistics-wise. 76 catches, 973 and 6 for Judy versus 71, 966 and 7 for Cortland Sutton. I'll take the guy that's going four plus rounds cheaper 
if anybody is passing attack, which I, I'm not 100% sold. I need as much as I want to buy into a Sean Payton attack. I love the rookie Marvin Mims. Uh, if you want a big rant on him, I talked about him a lot with Dane on our Dynasty show. He, I drafted Marvin Mims in Dynasty, ultimately moved him with Trey Lance to get Daniel Jones. Um, but a lot of good talk about Marvin Mims and how he was the one of the second best receiving prospects to come out in the last 10, 10 years, according to a lot of the metrics that Scott Barrett likes. And there's a lot to like about this kid. He's the first player drafted by the Sean Payton era who sought him out, who uses deep ball guys. Great. I, that's the risk of Judy and Sutton, in my opinion, is Mims is the one that got handpicked by Sean Payton and has the talent. He's the all-time leading receiver in high school of our nation. I, I know it's high school, but still, like the guy has shown – at every level, the ability to dominate. So he could just walk right in and nibble at one, if not both of their cheeses. So that's why I'm not all that into either of them, but especially not Judy at a early round four price tag. Beyond them, uh, you know, 20 and 21% target share for them, which again, I could see being closer to 16, 17 and Marvin Mims getting right into that 15 uh, range. I predicted this very similar though to the later stage uh, Brandon Cooks and, and Mike uh, Thomas. That's kind of how I envision these guys with a little bit less of a pie. Those guys, you know, p- produced 5,200 yards with Drew Brees. So a smaller pie, but a similar distribution of the slices there. Uh, we histo- the, the big thing with Sean Payton, and yes, Alvin Kamara dictates a lot of that, but even before Kamara got there, whether it was Darren Sproles, whether it was Reggie Bush, even when he had neither of those guys, and it was like Tim Hightower and Mark Ingram, his running back shares – I'll just read you these target shares to the running back position uh, across his last, like, this is nuts. So uh, from 2021 down, 28.3% running back target share, 28 27.5, 28.2, 33.8, 24.5, 23.5, 25.6, and 31.7% of the throws going to the running back. So the low there was 23.5, and that uh, that was top five still uh, for, for running back target shares. It's a, a big part of his offense it always has been certainly helps when he has a Kamara Sproles or Reggie Bush but like I said even in years when he didn't have them still was getting to that 24 percent or so target range so I think that's great news for Javante Williams once he is healthy he's coming off that knee tear uh, but it was at the beginning of the year and until he's back I think Samaj Piran is going to be an absolute bull remember when he was filling in for Joe Mixon last year uh, he had three three starts and two of them he was in the top seven fantasy running backs for those games. So the guy can definitely shoulder volume with the best of them. A big sturdy guy. They cited that out as why we went out and made sure to get Samaj P. Ryan, a great insurance policy as we get Javante Williams healthy, who is looking like he's well ahead of schedule. He is strikes me as one of those types of guys that just kind of made of the freakish stuff, like not Adrian Peterson level freak, but you remember where he tears ACL comes back and leads the league in rushing the next year. Like there's just yeah. some of these kind of running backs that are just built like beasts. And, and it sounds like he's just powering through his rehab and looks no worse for the wear right now. He can definitely catch. He had 11 targets in his first game last year, uh, Javante Williams. So he's a bigger, if he gets used even close to what Alvin Kamara is, Javante Williams is going to be a monstrous steal, even if it's only for half the, the season, because he, he starts on the PUP or whatever it might be. But here I'm projecting him to maybe miss one, maybe two games. That's a big bump up. For uh, Samaj P. Ryan for a while, he might be the starter. And even when when Williams is in, we know it's usually a two-back offense, the Ingram-Kamara 
type of molds. But there was a season where Ingram and Kamara were both top seven running backs. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how good – this is a goldmine offense for for running backs. So I do like the backs quite a bit, certainly Javante Williams, but especially uh, if he's going to miss some time, I do think Samaj P. Ryan can shoulder that quite well. The only other guy to talk about would be Greg Dolchik's. But, again, I want to make sure to highlight just how good this offense is for the backs. But I also love Greg Dolchik's. He's been cited already by Sean Payton. I talked about this in our tight end show, uh, top 15 tight ends. That, that he's kind of in line for the joker role, the move-around player uh, in the mold of Jimmy Graham, Jeremy Shockey. And he also mentioned Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles, and Kamara as the guys that just like to move all over the place. He said Greg Dolchik is flashing the ability, uh, the speed, to be that kind of mismatch nightmare. And he says he's getting a really good vision for how he wants to use and deploy Greg Dolchik's. I love that. I love it. If Sean Vision has, if Sean Payton has a vision for you, I want you on my fantasy team, and I certainly want you on my team if you're going in rounds 12, 13, 14, a guy that was top seven in tight end air yards despite missing the first six games of the year. Uh, he can get deep. He can go down the seam. He's one of the only guys that seemed to have a good rapport with Russell Wilson all last year. Uh, so I'm a big fan of Greg Dolchitz. I think he is an absolute steal at the tight end position. You know, I love going Dalton Schultz round 12, Greg Dolchik's round uh, 13, 688 yards, seven touchdowns, and maybe 55-plus catches. And if he does play that real true joker role, this could get bumped up to 75 catches. And then you're talking about an absolute cheat code at the position. So I really like Dolchik's uh, just because he has a a play caller that definitely – knows how to use his talent, mold it the right way. And I'm not just sitting here being like, oh, Jimmy Graham, we got Sean Payton, always the beast. There was a year or two, just three seasons ago, that the tight ends saw 11% target share, the lowest in the league. That's what I like about Payton. He, he figures out what he has, and he molds around it. He always will have a good pass catching running back, uh, but then he kind of he plays to his scheme. And if the tight end doesn't deserve more than 11% targets, he'll funnel those to the running backs. Kamara saw 33% of the targets that season. So yeah. he really does mold to his players. But I do think Dolchik is a guy, the fact that he singled him out and said, this is a guy I'm really excited to mold around, uh, definitely intrigues me. So did, uh, all those Broncos, I know it was an ugly team last year, Truth. Did I sell you on any of them? Which ones? Which points rung a bell with you, if any? The only guy, um, I, all right, I'm always going to have some interest in Javante Williams just because of the, the talent. I mean, I, he's, he's fun to watch. I'm a fan. Um, but really, other than him, the only person I'm even remotely interested in is a, a late stab at Dolchich. Okay. I mean, I, 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 I see the value there. I, I'm so out on Russell Wilson that I cannot even <laughs> express it. And as a result, I'm, I don't know. I, I just I feel like that receiving core is sure they're talented, but it's kind of like meh. I'm not. I'm none of them move the needle for me. Uh, the guys that you were naming that are going around Jerry Judy. I mean, I agree with you that Sutton is is the guy to get it between him and Judy just based on the price. I think they'll be pretty similar as well. But the guys that you were listing around Judy in the draft, tell me some of those guys again that, that were I mean, going like the- honestly similar to Keenan Allen. We already talked about that's, uh, I mean that's that's I mean that's not a comparison. That, that's ridiculous. No, not even close, right? And, and every single draft somebody takes him. People do love him. I just I, 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 I like don't. Judy. I don't. I don't though. I yeah, I'm not in love with him at all. Not nearly as much as some other people are out there. No, and the I'm thing not. with Russell Wilson, no, I'm, I'm not not in on many Broncos at all. Yeah, 
if Russell Wilson does suck to start the year, you know, Peyton did say we brought Stidham in for a reason. We really like Jarrett Stidham. Uh, we think he has an untapped ceiling. So I wouldn't be shocked. It's not like Peyton's married to Russell Wilson. Obviously, he got hired to fix this thing and turn it around. But if he is unfixable, if he just is that bad, which I don't I, – I think he will rebound and be the starter all year. But if Stidham ends up taking over, we saw him start one game last year for the Ra- uh, Raiders, and he bombed the – 49ers, the best defense in the league. He ended up putting up four touchdowns. Adams, I think, had his biggest game of the year with Stidham at quarterback. So uh, it's probably not going to happen, but I do think that's kind of the uh, boost the floor a little bit of the receiving products. That the fact that they have actually something potentially viable behind Russell Wilson that Sean Payton really singled out as a guy that he, he really desired as his backup. That, that buoys the floor just a little bit if Russell Wilson does completely blow. I don't think Payton will hesitate to rip him rip him out as a starter and put it in Stidham. God, man, there, there's a lot of people with a lot invested in, in, in Wilson being successful. Like these people that, that gave him all <laughs> this money. Like, man, anyway, I agree. I think – but I, I think he's going to have a pretty long leash. Yeah. Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Probably. I think right. he's going to be okay. Clearly, I'm not projecting him to, like, bomb a second year in a row. I think he will be – I think he'll be mediocre. I don't think he's going to be a disaster. I don't yeah. think he's going to return to his old form. I think he'll be like, all right. All right. Um, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. You want to go to the uh, comments? We got a few. Yeah, let's hit uh, the mailbag. I see some some legends in there. Yeah, of course. We talked to uh, Tune. CH was my pick uh, at first round. Oh. Uh, second pick, his rookie year. My ass still hurts. I won't touch him. I'm with you, Tune. <laughs> with you yeah. completely. Um, Charlie, I, I can't blame you. Charlie, here too. Who would I be to skip out on the KC LA Chargers show? Couple fire <laughs> emojis. Thanks, Charlie. Charlie is all he's dedicated. He likes the lunch he's show. A legend. He, he does. Tune says, "How many screen yards for Eckler with all the deep ball talk?" You actually touched on that earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. I pulled that one up. Just uh, it mixed into that, you know, six hundred fifty to seven hundred receiving yards. I think some great, well-designed screens. Yes, but also. Think about some of those creative ways Pollard was used on those wheel routes, on the slot, going deep posts and things of that nature. Wouldn't be shocked at all for just even more creative usage, too. Toon says, have you heard about how Dak has like a $60 million no. cap oh. next year? I know it's not now, but how do they handle this? Ugh, God. That's God. tough. I, is, no, there, is there any way to get out of it? Like, is it like yeah, I don't pretend of, to know don't how they it. It. I know it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm never good with the cap stuff because to me, I'm always yeah. just like, it's fake money, whatever. Just He's going to get paid and somebody else, like, whatever. But yeah, I mean, that's brutal. Dak's certainly not worth that level of cap hit. <laughs> it's been pretty clear. So yeah. that could be rough. All right. And last but not least, our guy Mitch. Been a yeah. while. Mitch so Chavez. Go Chiefs. Had to especially uh, be here being AFC West today. Have a great day. You too. You too, Mitch. You too, Mitch. What a legend. The nicest man in the world. Uh, yeah, great to see you. But yeah, fun division for sure. So awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for again coming here. That thumbs up on the way out would be so greatly appreciated if you enjoyed the content. If you're new around here, we saw we gained like 10 subs last week real quickly. Love to see that. So we'd love to have more and more of you jumping into the wolf pack uh, and joining here. And of course, all these projections, all the content will be at rotorstreetjournal.com. You can find my rankings and whatnot. Everything 99.9% of what we do is free on the site. It's there to help you out. The projections will be behind a paywall. One of the only things we do put behind a paywall. So if you want to support your boy, good, free, and easy way to do it. Those will be up in July. It's just our first round. We're going to be updating them, obviously, at daily 
as we learn more in training camp, preseason, all that good stuff alongside the rankings as well. So check that all out. And of course, if you want to use these projections to help you out on underdog code RSJ gets you up to a hundred dollars match. Uh, you can also find the link in the description as well to make sure you can support your boys that way too. That'd be so greatly appreciated. But all you guys, thank you again so much for being here. We'll be back live again tomorrow. I kind of like this one o'clock time slot. Does that work for you, Truth? It gives me enough planning time ahead of time. Tentatively, yes. I, I can do one o'clock tomorrow, I think. Sweet. So we'll, we'll tentatively pencil it in. I'll schedule it early. You can follow us on Instagram, Roto Street Journal. We always post when you know, if there's any changes or anything of that nature, what time we are going live. So you can always follow us there as well. And of course, I'm at Roto Street Wolf. Sweet. And a wolf of fancy sheep, guys. Be that wolf. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. We stole the show. At least we stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old fashioned football right there, folks.